Hey there, I am Matt, and I am from Royal Canoe, and you are listening to the Music A to Z podcast. Welcome to the Music A to Z podcast. I am Steve Ferguson. And I am Douglas Ferguson. How's it going, Doug? I don't remember when we recorded last, but I think I've gotten a new job. I don't know yeah. if, I, if I mentioned I that last episode. I don't think so, maybe. I don't think so. Anyway. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I'm working at a cat cafe, mm-hmm. hanging around with cats and uh, making drinks. It's making pretty- mad cash? Mad cash. Well, I wish it was a little madder, to be honest, because <laughs> uh, things are a little tight. And but now, but now my hours are 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 taken off to be to be very normal and consistent. And so, uh, hope hopefully a little bit of mad cash. But it's been very slow this week. So I also got a new job. Oh yes, um, yes. I work at a courthouse now. He's Robocop, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, no, a Robo Robo juror. <laughs> I'm not a juror. No. That are alive, you are coming with me. <laughs> no, so that's that's really something. And uh, I didn't say I quit my other job, so I'm doing both for now. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. apparently I don't like free time. I threw in a did not done mo- 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 I saw. Yeah, I saw, yeah. <laughs> it, just seemed, it just seemed like the right comedic beat. I think it was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Doug's referring to his new video of Repro Game Show. Uh, Repro, Repro Review, Review Show. show. Thank you. Which had kind of a slow start in terms of release, but you seem to be releasing more frequently now. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, I think it's just because I got the hang of it and how to edit it, and and uh, although I'm I'm out of script, so I got to start working on the next one all right, like pretty much right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's going well. I like the show. Even this one, I was a little concerned about when I was writing it that I wouldn't have enough to say, but it actually wound up being just as long as the last few. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was fine. I was actually wondering that too fairly early on, where you're like, well, it's just. Shadow the Hedgehog or Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't know if there's anything more than that. But, you know, you made it work. You made it work. And where content was starting to lack, you decided then to insert, insert like, uh, clever, clever moments. Like, where when you find the one-up or whatever, right? It's it's almost completely tangential. But it's nice. It's a nice step, you know? Yeah. So. I want to be pretty pleased with the end product, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the last two Cybermen and Son done and on YouTube. I'm just waiting for BBC Brand Protection Team to get back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's frustrating because it's just, they're just sitting there waiting for, for, for <laughs> to uh, like make them, make them sweat. Right. I even sent them a follow up, but I don't know. I don't know. I, you'd also, you don't want to push them too much. Right. You know, cause, <laughs> cause you're at their mercy. <laughs> basically. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see. Basically. Uh, well, if, if you, y'all are curious about what we're talking about, please check out moving underscore pictures with a K on YouTube, or if you type in repro review show, hopefully that'll point you in the right direction. Or Cyberman and Son on the NSHG Films YouTube page. Um, mm. Please check us out there for many a content. All right, all right. All so right. Uh, here we are back again um, after our grand hall. Oh, I wanted to mention that we actually have some feedback. Mm, it's good to hear the feedback song again. I love that feedback song. Yeah. Oh, it's the best so thing. good. So our last episode was G is for Grand Holly. And uh, we talked about how we came across uh, Tomonakiyama's music at Sasquatch. He says in his tweet, In 2008, I played Sasquatch with Grand Hallway. Although we, we said it was 2007. I think it was 2007. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, we had the same time slots as Fleet Foxes, which I remember because everyone was going ape over Fleet Foxes, and I wasn't. We were very mad on it. Yeah, I still am. Um, actually, sorry, but yeah, uh, this is again a bit of a tangent. But actually, I found Fleet Fox's second album to be uh, a, a, little, a lot stronger and much more engaging. So good to know. Yeah. Uh, sorry, going back to the tweet. In two thousand eight, I played Sasquatch with Grand Hallway. We had the same time slot as Fleet Foxes, so I remember people sprinting past our stage to get to the main stage. Yeah. Ouch. Kind of amazed these guys saw us, much less bought our album and remembered the band. Thanks, Music AZ Podcast. Oh, thank you, Tomo. Thank you, Tomo. Always a pleasure. On the Twitter account, did you see this thing I posted? Um, I don't know if I did. Okay, so, what? yeah, when I borrowed Not Ashamed from you, I uh, noticed that inside there was a mail catalog for old Newsboys merch and albums and stuff like that. Newsboys Dog Tag, Hell's for Wimp CD. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. All this stuff. And I haven't even looked at that. Yeah, <laughs> mail order catalog. So I tweeted Newsboys, and I said, hey, what if I mail this in? Will I still get some of that sweet merch? They did not get back to me. Um, yeah. That's too bad. Because I wonder if they're like, yeah, we'll honor it. I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Furlow's like, I think I got a box somewhere. <laughs> oh, I meant to ask you about that. So there's a tour right now, Newsboys Reunited. And is Peter Furler part of that lineup? Yeah, it's it's basically got the whole classic lineup of Phil, Joel, and Peter Furler rejoining the band. But they also still have, uh, what's his name, Michael Tate? Yeah. They still have him in there as well. What about Kevin Mills? Kevin Mills? The old bassist. Didn't he die? What? Did he really? Yeah, let's look it up. Oh, jeez. Tasteless Steve strikes again, <laughs> eh? Holy cow. The Butcher strikes again. Is it? No, that is the Butcher, isn't it? Died 2000. Yeah, oh, because no. He had his little motorcycle accident. He, he had a memorial thing, a uh, little snippet in uh, Thrive saying dedicated to Kevin Mills. You know, I feel like I've heard this before and completely forgot. <laughs> I didn't know he went to manage Whiteheart. Wow. I didn't know that either, actually. That's news to me. Okay, yikes. Okay, well, what about John James? Oh, man. Poor John no, James. no John James, unfortunately. Never, never John James. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he left and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really deflated. Okay. So, uh, to answer your question, no, he will not be no, joining, he will not be joining them. For New Year's, News Boys. Oh, God, and... I feel terrible. <laughs> Anyways, we are inadvertently continuing on from last week where we covered a band we discovered at Sasquatch and Grand Hallway to an H band that we... Also discovered at Sasquatch. Although we just we did discover them at the exact same Sasquatch at the exact same stage, actually. This is a very different band. We are talking about the Helio sequence.
can't tell a lie. Ever since uh, we discovered these guys, uh, I have been so on board with Helio Sequence. They are one of my favorite bands. I have all of their releases with an asterisk. No, I guess let's let's go and get into how we, we got into the band. I mean, so it was our first extended travel music festival. Mm-hmm. And our friend Travis was coming along with us. And as, as was one of his friends and Tabitha, I think. Was that that well, first what was year? Was so. his friend was Dominic or something like something that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and he was basically coming for Arcade Fire, if I recall correctly, amongst others. But yeah, because he wasn't even staying the whole weekend. Travis hooked us up with a lot of music to as research. He did not hook us up with Helio Sequence, but the links and stuff that he gave us, and you know, the the places to look proved com- invaluable because then it allowed me and you. To also then continue researching into other bands, and there was a like there was a couple names that like stood out in the Helio sequences. Such a cool name. <laughs> it and is. So. I'm trying to remember which songs I listened to from them initially, and and grew interested in hearing more of. Um, it might have been through a website at the time of theirs. I want to say the other one that I think I heard beforehand. I want to say was Square Bubbles, mm. but I'm not. Not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe repeater. Might might have been. I'm fairly sure there was. I th- I think they were only from Love and Distance and Young Effectuals. I'm yes. pretty sure. Um, I believe so. Yeah, my memory's a bit wonky at this point because it's been like eleven years. Yeah, thereabouts. Um, <laughs> my memory's a bit wonky, but I think. To be honest, we were waiting in line for someone else's autograph and actually missed most of their show, but got to meet them anyways after. We did, We definitely saw a bit of their show. Yeah. Uh, I remember very distinctly, but it wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't the whole set. I'm trying to remember who we were going to get autographs for, but it was somebody we didn't want to miss. I think it was Minus the Bear, if I had to guess. That sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, because Minus the Bear were on that stage. They were on that stage as well. They were. Yeah, they yeah. were. Yeah, that's right. Which is shocking. I thought they would have had a bigger stage due to the fact that they were like fairly local, and I'm, I guess maybe they're just a big deal to me. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, by, minus bear was one of the reasons why we went to Sasquatch. Yes, um, true, true. Not the only reason, but they were one of the reasons that were like, oh, we got to check this out because we were we were on a pretty big minus the bear kick at that point. You more so than me, even because uh, I only had highly refined pirates for the longest time. I picked up more of their stuff at Sasquatch. Um, I think they were touring for Planet of Ice. That sounds right. And which is a great album. And, and well, I guess you know we'll talk about that another time. Uh, yeah, th- th- that's one that sounds right. Is minus the bear, or it could have been Battles, but I don't think it was Battles. Mm. I think Battles. I from in my head, I think we met Battles in the evening, possibly, mm. and also possibly the following year. <laughs> actually, I'm really not sure. Um, it actually might have been the following year. Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm very unsure. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, but my, one of my takeaways, like, I get easily, easily, easily starstruck. Um, I had one of the autographs we did was for Mates of State, and okay, I got to tell my Mates of State autograph story because I, to this day I still kick myself over it. I liked their set of Mates of State, um, and I liked their album uh, Rearrange Us. Is the album? Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And Travis was a big fan, and as we found out when Travis was giving away his CD collection, he has a lot of Mates of State. And went to see them, and I, you know, I got their CD, and I'm getting them to sign. I said, "Hey guys, you know, I really, really liked your show. I thought you put on a good show." And then they said, "Thank you," and they signed it. And then the drummer, the 
uh, the fellow, I don't, I don't remember his name right now, I'm so sorry. He looks at me and he says, this is our first album. Like just, just a really sort of strange statement. And I was like, oh. And then they just stared at, the two of them just stared at me. And suddenly I became extremely self-conscious and like I just didn't understand the conversation at that point. So I said, oh, thank you. And then backed away. And then upon thinking about it, I'm like, I misheard him. He must have said something like, is this your first album? Or something like that, and was asking me a question, and then I just oh. gave the stupidest, oh, sort of thing, and then uh. slowly backed away. <laughs> uh, to, to, this, to this, I literally thought he was just giving me this really weird uh, statement. This but is our first album. This I, is our first album. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I, like d- making direct eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> right? And you're like, uh... Uh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and you know what? And it's, it wasn't their first album anyway. So. So uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say that that's I, not what he said. I almost certainly, certainly misheard what he said entirely. Uh, and he was probably yeah, like, "Oh, yeah. that's a weird guy." Oh, they probably like, "What's well, a very, guy?" Got uh, very, got very awkward. Yeah. Now on the other end of the spectrum, going meet Helio sequence. They were so cool. They were they were so nice. All smiles, yeah, yeah. all laughs. Totally conversational. It seemed like very, uh, very real people. Very down to earth. For sure. Was it you who had asked them what the cover was? Yeah, you see, I, I looked at the cover. I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out. Because if you look at, you look at it up close, mm-hmm. I thought it was like a pair of lungs or something. But I'm like, well, I don't know about that. And then and then it wasn't until they were like, no, it's actually our faces. is a design like my wife put together or something like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's your... And then they, they kind of... Then once I saw it from a further distance. Yes. Oh, distance. Love and distance. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I um, <laughs> I, suddenly I saw it, and then also they then they just struck the pose. That they they did it. Yeah, they struck the pose, and then I'm like, oh yeah, well, so it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally cool. I scooped up Love and Distance and Young Effectuals, but that was all they had there. I I probably would have bought everything uh, that they had up to that point uh, if it was available, and I was so in love with with both albums, in part because they're very different. Like, very, very much so. Even though they're only really a couple years apart. And have I've followed them ever since. And finally snagged my hands on yeah. Comlink. They actually finally actually got that restraining order sorted out, too. Mm, yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> uh, went to see them live twice. I've seen them live twice when they come to Vancouver. I think they went to the Biltmore both times, I believe. Well, I know the one that I went to, because I only went to once. Yeah. It was at the Biltmore of Cabaret, for sure. And was that the one where Talk Demonic opened for them? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to... I went with Jessica to the second time, and I'm pretty sure that was at the Biltmore as well. Um, it's a good size venue for them. Which tour was that for? Was that for negotiations? Or was that for Keep Your Eyes Ahead? Hmm. Because I definitely... I feel like I was already pretty familiar with Keep Your Eyes Ahead. I think it was negotiations... And then you you went with Jessica for the self-titled. I was it the self-titled? Uh, one, well, two, twenty fifteen, maybe. Okay, <laughs> the time is the fire in which we burn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go back in time, nineteen ninety six. We are going uh, to Beaverton, Oregon, which is just west of Portland, like just west of Portland, a five and a half hour drive straight from here, provided no lineups at the border, and there are two. Or I should say, I'll say there are three uh, high school students who are getting friendly with each other. Brandon Summers and his brother Paul and Benjamin Weichel. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Weichel. And they start, they uh, they get together and they start, they basically start jamming. Now, they go to work for a music store called uh, Beaverton Records. Now, 
when you first think of and it was a it was a record shop, but when you first think of like going a couple of uh, band kids going to work for a record shop, what's your first thought? What's what's your first what's the first picture in your head of the record shop they're working at? Uh, the one in High Fidelity. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's that's what they say. But they say it's less. It's uh, not quite High Fidelity. More like marching band. So maybe more Lon McQuaid. Oh, sort of okay, sort of music right. store that they were in. Lon McQuaid. More, more along those lines. Lon McQuaid doesn't sell records. No, but they have sheet music and instruments. Oh, okay, okay. There hmm. is actually there's a there is a record store down on the stretch downtown around the downtown east side where there's a bunch of record stores and there is one that's like. That's like classical music only sort of thing, right? And yeah, then, you know, yeah. So probably, probably actually more along those lines. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I won't get into t- too much, but during this time, they met the fellows behind Menomina. Menomina. Oh God! They probably hear that all the time. I'm so <laughs> and at first, uh, like, and they were they were kind of the cool kids. And Menomina, what they when they were just starting out. Menomina. Menomina. <laughs> they uh. They were they they passed on their demo to Benjamin, and but they weren't sure if they weren't sure if Benjamin would be hip to their jive, and we're like, oh, is he gonna leave him like this? Because Benjamin was the older one, but he was he's several years older than than most of them. At some point, Paul dropped out. The uh, the guys at Helio Sequence started recording more seriously, and in fact, they recorded their first three releases in that record store. They mentioned the music scene at the time was very very grunge influenced. Um, but they also noted that there were a lot of Dandy Warhol soundalikes at the time. Mm-hmm. So them, which makes a lot of sense based on the time timeline. Well, yeah, around uh, the, the late nineties for yeah. sure. For yeah. sure, yeah, because they were just the uh, Dandy Warhols come down. Yeah, uh, yeah with was... uh, Minnesota and stuff. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of like uh, that was kind of permeating in the indie scene. Also, what uh, Dandy Warhols are from Portland too, aren't they? They are. Yeah. So so naturally, yeah, there's yeah. gonna be a lot of. A lot of influence there. So using these pre-programmed synths and stuff, although it had been really big only 10 years before, like really, it wasn't really part of the music culture at the time in that area. So they began to, you know, playing gigs, not particularly large gigs, they, they began to develop a following because their stuff didn't sound like the other stuff that was out at the time. These were guys who, you know, on their downtime would be listening to Kraftwerk and, and Talking Heads. You know, and whereas everyone else is listening to Nirvana, basically. And again, I mean, not a huge time difference, but stylistically, I mean, uh, amazing stuff. So I could not find a copy online to listen of this EP, Accelerated Slow Motion Cinema. I neglected to look it up at all during my research. I just, because I, I just, I thought I, I thought I had everything. And so I was like, oh yeah, I know it all. I don't need to like look even check wikipedia apparently mm-hmm. so um you, uh you checked youtube i know i also i, I checked did, spotify I and i checked spotify yeah spotify and itunes are missing the early stuff though yeah so uh apparently you know here uh, let me just do a quick little a little quick little check i'm checking cd baby because i bought complex through cd baby ah. and so you want to this might be this might have Sequence? Oh, I wonder if it's if they're even still on here. No, I don't think they're uh, on here anymore. Now, Discogs has an entry uh, on it. There are four songs. Two of them, uh, Transistor Radio, so Just Mary Jane, Calypso, were both on this EP. However, they were different recordings. They're different versions of the song. Oh, okay. And there were two other songs on there as well. Now, apparently this one wasn't even on Sub Pop. This one was self-released. So I'm sure there are copies around somewhere. Don't know. Yeah, well, you know... It's 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 not a bad thing to have some uh, deep cuts for the for the hardcore fans who were there at the beginning. 
Um, but but seriously, guys, seriously, for <laughs> you got nothing to lose by putting it on iTunes or Spotify. You got only coin to get. You got only coin. <laughs> so they start recording Complex, and by this point, Benjamin goes to college. So it is worth noting. I Complex. Thought, I thought for a second like that was the name of like a song or something. Benjamin goes to, <laughs> Benjamin like, goes to college. Yeah. Like, which so it's worth noting that uh, that Brandon he's still in high school when this stuff is recorded and released. Wow. That kind of yeah. actually changes my look on the album, really. It, like, it really, really does, you know? He's got to be like 16, 17. I think there's a three-year three year difference. Yeah, well. Possibly as young as 15 starting to record this. I mean, that's that's impressive. It, it honestly, honestly is. It really it really does go to show they're, um, not just not just the fact that they're, that they're talented enough musicians, but again, they were going against the grain of the music scene at the time. This is this is different stuff than than that was us coming out. So they released Complex again, an album I got significantly later than the others. I think I got it off Amazon, and I've had it for quite a few years now. But I think I got it after Keep Your Eyes Ahead is when I finally scooped and picked up because I was just too curious. Mm-hmm. I was very curious to hear to hear what it sounds like. I think I got Complex earlier than that. You probably listened to mine before you got your own. I think that's probably true. Yeah, but I, I remember. Um... Just the, the I was kind of just looking more into the Healy sequence, and then it, this one was it was definitely a little harder to find, but I did find it through CD Baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was a it's a it's a nifty little. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm, this is also kind of a deep cut, but this is one we were able to get our hands on. Yeah. Now tomorrow never knows is a Beatles cover. Yes. Yes, it is. How does this work? Do they have to pay the Beatles royalty every time oh. a, a copy of this is sold? Like, how does that work? I think because I mean, like, I was, sorry. It's just like these days, if you if like a couple of young like young guys, teens, release an album on like an indie label that has like, say, like a Michael Jackson cover on it, like, isn't there like some sort of like, okay, guys, you know, we got to give like X amount percent to them now, or or maybe you have to give a certain amount up front, right? Um, I think that was Moby's issue. Was that uh, when he was uh, the original version of Feeling So Real? Before it even had that name, there was a, a disco song he was trying to get the rights to, if you recall. And it, the, the cost was just so exorbitant that it basically deflated him. And he was going to abandon the song altogether. Maybe it depends um, on my state. Truthfully, I don't know. Hmm. I couldn't tell you. But I, I'm sure the Beatles must have got a cut of it. Uh, well, anyways, first you tell me your impressions of Complex. And I'll give you my Complex impressions of Complex. Okay, sure. Yeah, Complex is its a pretty... Good album. I would perhaps word it as like an unrefined energy. Uh, it's got some really good ideas, definitely, for sure. Transistor Radio is definitely one that kind of sticks out. And it is kind of a shame that I think Tomorrow Never Knows is actually one of the stronger tracks. It's it's definitely, it's not their best. Um, and I think it's just because it's, it's, I think the songwriting isn't quite there yet. But it it is like, it's pretty cool, like, gritty shoegaze rock. Like it's it's got a nice sound to it. Like that's it's really like really gritty, but like not aggressive and not like dark. Yeah. Then and it's it's kind of I don't know. It just it's got a cool sound, and it's I I feel like for guys who is for a couple of guys who are like in their early twenties or late teens, it's an it's an impressive piece of work. But yeah, I think that it, it does kind of have a, have trouble carrying that energy because I think like the the songs aren't quite there. But for the most part, like I, I do, I do feel like it's it's definitely worth listening to, and it's worth tracking down, if not just for the stronger tracks. Um, 
And yeah, most of it, I think it's a bit front heavy, if I recall. Like the, the, the stronger tracks kind of start the album off. Mm. And then it doesn't quite keep it up. Yeah. Yeah, this one, to be honest, the um, actually I think the bookends are good. Uh, Strakenska, 612, and Demographics. Demographics, I'm both, I'm fond of both of those songs quite a bit. And Just Mary Jane Calypso is, is a good, is a good helio sequence track. Yeah, I would agree it's front-loaded, although my heart is awfully long. And Sassafras, I see what they were going for, and I enjoy the song. It's sort of a, sort of more of a, almost a trancey club, club song, in uh, almost sort of a heady song that they're going for. That idea, they execute better in other albums. I, I had always had a hard time kind of putting my finger on what it was about the album that just didn't quite feel right. And and then uh, the, it was so obvious that I overlooked it, and it's the production. Uh, the album isn't isn't produced very well, and understandably so, because, I mean, they just didn't have the resources available. I mean, Lord, first off, they recorded in they recorded in their music store, right? So, I mean, I don't know, know Jack about the acoustics there, because I've, I've never been. Road trip. <laughs> but, I mean, they produced it themselves. Good on them. But, you know, they were rel- relatively limited by equipment and uh, by equipment and experience. And I think that is ultimately what hin- hinders the album. It doesn't, it doesn't make the album bad, but the sound that they do really needs to be fleshed. It, it, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the strong part. It, just, it, needs, it needs to be fleshed. But it's a good album. It's, it's a fascinating look. The difference between this and like, some of their later albums is, is immense. Um, oh, so. yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, the their progression is something that you kind of have to like. Almost feel like you gotta listen to it in order, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and yeah, and it's self-produced. That's the thing. So it's like you can't fault them because uh, you know they, you know they were they were just working with what they had, and sometimes rawness like that really works, and sometimes that really works in this album, I think. Yes, but uh, but yeah, sometimes it is a, it is a, a hindrance. It wasn't that much longer. Uh, only about a year, October of two thousand one, they release. Young effectuals, and even though it's re- again recorded under the same circumstances, the production is already way better. That being said, it's it's along the same lines as the last album, mm. so it's, it's it's a step forward. It's a step forward, but you're not you're not going to be in a spot where you're like, well, is this even the same band? <laughs> no, it's 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 a step, not a leap. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a tighter album. We have. A more varied album. We have a more unified album. The bookends are not only are they both strong, but they they do they bookend the album. There's uh, Reveille, which is basically just an intro track into Give Give Give, and then the album ends on Take Take Take, which has a phenomenal musical climax at the end. Uh, very electronic and very ambient and very uh, almost robotic and. Uh, interesting way to close out the album i mean can i just also just say that like yeah. that cover art <laughs> I, I i just like i think it's pretty cool looking. you know and the funny thing is it reminds me of uh, death from above 1979 mm-hmm. and but sounds nothing like <laughs> death from above 1979 well you know what actually not completely unlike it but like if way they, less, if they way less the like... tempo like because Death from Above 1979, it's just that you plug in that damn album, it just goes and goes and goes. Yeah. And there's no there's no break. It's just, <laughs> we're playing! It's like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I love it, don't get me wrong. But I mean, like, you gotta be ready for it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, this is obviously a few notches down. Like, Death from Above 1979 is 
uh, you know, cranked to eleven. But uh, but you know, like to say that they're completely in un, like not alike, I think yeah. might not be uh, might not be accurate. Fair. Okay. Fair. Yeah. And it's interesting too because there's a lot there's a lot of electronic elements to this album. Not really reflected on the uh, if you just looked at the cover art, you wouldn't necessarily know that. You know, you looking at the cover art, you'd almost think it would be like white stripes almost you know but i mean this is this is a fairly heavy uh i mean i call it alternative but really it goes between rock and um, synth rock there's um yeah there's some electronic stuff yeah the second half of the album there's there's still quite a bit of electronic stuff and it starts to get kind of kind of heady and a little more electronic focused in, in the second half but i will say i adore this album even if it starts to get lost in itself in the last, especially like from Cut the Camera to Cablarium to versus Oblivosity. I've never said those words aloud before. Oblivious. Obliviosity. Obliviosity. Okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a real word anyways. Those three tracks tend to get a little lost in themselves, but I'm fine with it. Um, in part because the Take, Take, Take is so strong. Uh, and it's it's got a good enough energy. It just carries through. But if you ask me, you know, you pick a five-second sound clip out of one of them and ask me which one it is, I might have a hard time. Square Bubbles, I think, is what Sassafras was trying to be. Um, a little, but more successful. Uh, Square Bubbles is uh, Square Bubbles has got some fantastic lyrics to it as well. It's about you know about being unique and not following along with what. It, okay, I mean, okay, granted, that's like what a million songs are about, you know, not following the crowd and stuff. Well, yeah, and also I feel like with with the, this album. The lyrics are kind of secondary anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes you're not going to understand even what they're saying, for the most part, in, in square bubbles. It's very, very shouty and aggressive sounding. So, and, and it kind of buried under, like, um, production. Big time. So, uh, yeah, don't... Just, uh, for people who are like, I just need to hear the lyrics. I just need them. I just need to hear those lyrics. Yeah, uh, yeah you're probably... Not gonna get that in this album so well. I mean, at times, no, no, not for the most part. Knots in the Echo Blomp. The uh, I, I rarely see the, say these words out loud. Knots in the Echo Blomp would probably be the ones that are the the more the emotional core of the album. I would say. Where we go, we don't even know because there's no one. You know, there's there's some there's there's some compelling stuff. Or uh, I'm doing the best I can, hard in my hand. There's some good emotional stuff in there. Again. Not earth shattering, but uh, but you know the album strives for more than complex did, which is what you want. You want it to be to strive for more, um, and I think it succeeds. Well, you know, I think I think the for the most part it uh, it works for me. I think you like it a bit more than I do. I I think I find it a bit too long for the for the amount of uh, I don't know. I, I you know it's one of those things where. I, I sometimes feel like I don't want to listen to it, but once I'm listening to it, it's not like there's tracks I want to skip. Uh, it, it's I don't know what I don't know what it is, and the only thing that I can think of is because I I think I like all the tracks just fine. Um, sometimes way more than that. So it feels like maybe it's just too too much of a it's maybe just a bit too long. Like the it's a pacing issue. But yeah, for the most part, I I I do really enjoy it. because uh, so I kind of buried the lead there uh, <laughs> but yeah but it's also a bit top heavy but not 
But there's more strong stuff. Like the top is a little like there's more to it than that mm. than that in complex. Uh, it suffers from a few of the strain, so a few of the issues of complex, of uh, of maybe like the, some of the songs being a bit uh, a little bit bloated and it's a, it's sharper and a little more refined and uh, and all the better for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and some of the high points of their career are in here. Uh, I do think that. Uh, Unfortunately, like I don't, I don't have tons of the titles to the songs in my head. I think, to be honest, that last track, "Take Take Take," saves saves the album. If it had, you know, uh, more in line with the previous three or four tracks, it was more, if it was more that more of that, then it would be the second half would be forgettable. I think, but uh, "Take Take Take" has got a really, really good journey and a really good voyage to it, which really helps and. Uh, is one of my favorite tracks on the album. Even if those clocking is seven minutes long. It's you know, a long puppy. Even say to say the last half is weak isn't really doing it uh doing it justice because I do feel like I, I mean I, I can think of Cut the Camera and like that seems like a pretty solid track. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe it is just track eight and nine that just kind of because I mean that does actually They do link together as well. And that's yeah. a pretty big chunk of time. That's oh well over ten minutes of the album. We're looking at almost twelve. And yeah, so I and it's not that they're it's not that it's terrible music or bad music, but it I guess again it's just kind of a pacing issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't necessarily have a clear cut solution because I because yeah if the so the tracks are linked, it's not like you like just like oh cut one and then do the track. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you just gotta accept the fact that albums are gonna have uh, are not gonna be perfect. Yeah? <laughs> oh no, absolutely, absolutely. So, like I said, I I enjoy this album, but you know, yeah, yeah, but uh, pretty pretty good. Okay, so. 2003 rolls around and Jeremiah Green he uh, he's a friend of Weichel and he is the drummer for Modest Mouse mm, yes. he has to bow out of the band due to some undisclosed health reasons and Isaac Brock of Modest Mouse asked Benjamin Weichel he said can you come in and can you drum for, for us I don't know if it was can you drum for our next album can you substitute for Jeremiah or can you be our drummer? I don't know the, that conversation. Mm-hmm. But a part of me thinks that, based on Benjamin's devotion to Healer Sequence, part of me thinks that the understanding was that it was going to be for just the album. And that maybe they were holding out that Green would come back. Which is possible. That album wound up being good news for people who love bad news. Modest Mouse's Breakout album. The thing that took them from indie darlings and rock enthusiasts into into the pop, into the pop world. Which, looking back, like that's so weird. It was kind of weird time for music. It was. Yeah, no, that that's, that speaks volumes about 2004, mm-hmm. about like what was out. Yeah, the fact that Modest Mouse just this these, these re- this real weirdo band, um, where the lead singer sings like this, uh-huh. <laughs> and and you know like. Like the fact that they like blew up into the pop charts mm-hmm. uh, and had a huge hit with uh, "Float On," mm-hmm. uh, very telling. What, what exciting times it was! Yeah, yeah, great album. Um, oh yeah, I, I enjoy quite a bit. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm I am gonna say, uh, Winkle is a phenomenal drummer. I love watching him live because it looks like he's just having the time of his it's life. Having a great time. Like like the dude. Just loves drumming, and like that is where he belongs, and that is his element, and like 
Kudos, man. He's also the keyboardist too, but you wouldn't know it, really, because because like he never really plays keyboards on stage. He no, plays he keyboards does. in the studio. Then he hooks up to the laptop, and then unless the laptop plays, so he can do drums. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, I just I just love I love his enthusiasm for drumming. It really his love for it shines through. It's yeah. very visible. Yeah, and I, I think honestly, it really helps. I mean, it wasn't the only it wasn't the only reason why good news took off. I mean, I mean the no, strength no. of the track. There's a lot there. of there's a lot of reasons why but, good news. But he was a part of it through and through. Uh, through and through, he was a part of it, and uh, I still love that album. I I'm. Man, actually, I haven't listened to Modest Mouse in ages. Obviously, we're not yeah. doing a Modest Mouse episode, so I haven't uh, I haven't done my full research. They followed up pretty quickly with their next album. We were dead before the ship even sank, but then there was a huge time. I wonder if Wankel leaving them had anything to do with with it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But basically, he went on some tours with them. He went on uh, doing performances with them. Then they were going to go on to Jimmy Kimmel. And he said, I can't, guys. I have a Helio sequence gig. Uh, And they were like, okay. So, I mean, that's why a part of me thinks that... The conversation, it seems basically like one of two things. It seems that either the understanding was that he was just going to be helping them out temporarily, or he had agreed to sign on, but then felt that his place was more with Helio sequence and grew, you know, less and less comfortable being, you know. Um, well, because you have to think, um, like Modest Mouse, Isaac Brock. Yeah, it's the Modest Mouse is his baby and his like that's his. That's his band, like, and that's his, his. He's the chief songwriter, and I'm, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know exactly the band dynamic and how like much other people, how the other band members, like how much say they have and how what uh, goes on in it, but I just don't imagine like the drummer of that band having as much creative freedom as he would have here in in a band like he lives against his two buddies. Who are just making music, and, and apparently he's not just the drummer. So it it seems like Helio sequence is more more his baby mm-hmm. and so he, he feels like a level of commitment and a level of uh i don't know probably just more desire to do it to, because it's i mean yeah it's it, it's probably not uh as sure a thing as well maybe modest mouse wasn't as sure a thing <laughs> given the huge break still they made they made at the time of he was walking away from some bank quite possibly yeah yeah i mean it, we were dead before the ship even sank wasn't as big but it still did pretty well Oh yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it it uh, it had those shoes to fill, right? It was it was like the the follow up album from the breakout album, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it did fine. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, I love it. Well, June of two thousand four. So this had been actually been out a while when we went to Sasquatch. Yeah, I think, I I don't know, I don't know why uh, they were out because because um, keep your eyes ahead hadn't come out. It yet. had not come out yet. So I mean I don't know maybe they're just kind of getting getting back into the swing of things. Yeah, getting or, some hype up before they release the next album, which is fair. And also, it's not like Sasquatch is that far from Portland. Yeah, but, yeah. And they released Love and Distance, which and they they've moved over Sub Pop from Cavity, uh, Cavity Search. They've moved over Sub Pop. Sub Pop is a fantastic label. Mm-hmm. One of the few labels that I like, pay attention to and really like trust mm-hmm. is like Sub Pop and Arts and Crafts. And uh, maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's all that springs to mind. E- immediately, yeah. And s- they did a video for Don't Look Away, but I think that was it. And Don't Look Away, it's it's them going around. There's a couple Portland 
tourist attractions. There's like a science center and a and a farm and uh, I mean I, I like the energy of the video, but it was it was definitely a it was definitely a low budget production. But I I loved this this album as well. I thought this was a fantastic album. They, they there was a couple, two or no three songs that were there's some harmonica which you don't really hear much of ever again at that point uh, after this point. Um, no, it wasn't before. It wasn't really after. Yeah, yeah, and I I would be hard pressed to find a weak track on this album. Yeah, I've got a I've got a, a few favorites, like outright favorites are on here, and uh, a fantastic closing track. Actually, I I so far I have not had any issues with any of their closing tracks. A great closing track that ends instead of on uh, this is the interesting thing. Uh, so the last one ended on like uh, those electronic sort of sounds and and glitchy. Uh, sounds this one ends on a very nice sort of harmonica guitar uh piece that closes out on wind chimes and stuff so it's a more of an organic sound um and i think that reflects a lot of the music in this one it's it's more pop oriented yes but it's also more organic there's a lot of more there's it's less uh less craft work and a little more folk influenced not folk but folk influenced there there's a lot a lot more of that and and all in all, a great, great album. Uh, yeah, definitely a lot of different influences. I'd say this isn't. Uh, this one is a little hard to peg. Well, yeah, what to say about Love and Distance? Possibly the most criminally overlooked album of two thousand four. Hmm. Like, you just don't see people talk about it. You know, there's there's a lot of lists and stuff of, of great albums, and uh, and why like why is this never in them? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I just I feel like. Like, why is there not more attention on this thing? Because I, I think this is terrific. I think this is jaw-droppingly good. Like, like, how can you plug it in, half harmonica's song start, and not, like, a minute in, be like, uh -huh, like shut up and take my money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just uh, so good. Like, so good. One classic track after another, um... Yeah, you know, there's there's a few bands, there's a few albums out there where, like, it opens, they open so, so strong. Like, like every, like, the every track of its opening is, like, a masterpiece. Like, one that comes to mind is Delirium's Poem, mm. where, like, the first, like, five or six tracks are, like, just all incredible, incredible pieces. And I feel like the first four tracks are all, like, masterpieces are all like so amazingly good and then yeah after that it's still all really good <laughs> like it's just yeah the songs are more distinct uh the songs are more catchy the songs uh have uh, a more consistent energy uh they kind of the songs are more concise the, yeah, the, the, so the, like the really long, like six and a half minute, seven minute tracks are, are all but gone. But I, you know, like, not that I don't like songs like that, but like nothing on here drags. It all, it's all just great. <laughs> I don't know, like everything, the, whatever it was, whatever creative energy was flowing through them, through them, through them at this point in time, just nothing but good ideas and how to like make those good ideas turn into great songs mm -hmm. i love love and distance i bought it uh at sasquatch and then later on uh just because i found it uh on a store somewhere i bought it on vinyl years later and, i was uh, looking at um where was i looking there was there some was it 
Some some site I was looking at while I was looking for the EP, it had a couple of their albums on vinyl. And I scratched my head and said, hmm. 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 You know, there's certain albums that I just, that I, I love so much that I just, I kind of feel like, okay, I'll own that twice. And mm. then I, I just, I have it on CD and I have it on vinyl just to have kind of like, and at my disposal, no matter what, uh, what what player I have it, um, I have to, have to be closest to. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, this is one of them. Uh, this is one of them for sure. So yeah, if, if anyone like wants to like get into the Helio sequence, I feel like just as good a starting point uh, as any uh, Love and Distance for sure. You gotta check it out. Hey, you know how sometimes where you listen to like a band, the first thing you listen to is so good, and you listen to the past stuff, and you're just like, eh. Mm-hmm. This is not them because remember I got this and Young Infectables at the same time, and because the albums are so different, then I wasn't just like, "eh, this is weak sauce." Uh, weak sauce, love and distance, uh, you know. So yeah, absolutely. I I don't think I don't see any harm in, in pick, as strong as this is. I think you can still approach their other stuff easily. Yeah, there's uh, there's nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not like I went back to Young Infectables and I'm like, "oh, this sucks." Um, <laughs> So, yeah, but it's, it's a good, it, it's just like, this will get you in the mood. This will want you, this will get you wanting more, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. But it is definitely a, a high bar to, like, match. Like, mm-hmm. this is, the, they, uh, like, they set, they set the bar pretty, pretty darn high. Four years later, I cannot believe it, four years later, I remember seeing a promotional video released of them playing their, the title track and their first single, uh, keep your eyes ahead off their new album, and it, it was a relatively s- simple video. It was what, just, what's, uh, what, was that on Letterman? Did they play it on Letterman? They did play it on Letterman too. Yeah, but the the video, the promo, vi- it was a music video. Uh, was them playing? It was like a an outdoor. It was like a patio, uh, but like at a restaurant, like lots of lights and stuff like that. Okay. But I mean, I was stoked. I, was I, stoked I think I think I just I didn't see that one. I, mean, I think I just saw them play it on on. Uh, I want to say it's Letterman, but I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. I think so. Mm-hmm. And we get a very different, very different, uh, different album than, I mean, as different as Love and Distance was from its predecessors, Keep Your Eyes Ahead was was a much more mature and introspective album. Well, this was also, one, one of the things was that the singer, Brandon Summers, he heard his voice and yeah. he had to like, he had to relearn how to sing and, and sing differently and more subdued. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, they also felt that their music had to kind of like change to reflect that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, I think fair enough. If like, because if you can't do the shouty stuff, you have to, you have to scale it back because you can't, you can no longer shout over your effects. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to, I guess, acclimatize, which is, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I guess maybe it's a, it's a good thing to have to kind of be forced to evolve. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, although, not quite as as good a, as Love and Distance. I think Keep Your Eyes Ahead is an excellent album. It's spiritual, although not subscribing to any particular form of spirituality, but spiritual, introspective, thoughtful, but not not down tempo and not not dull at any point. It opens with Lately, which kind of sets the stage for the album. Um, but then you get Can't Say No and The Captive Mind which are both high tempo tracks um, to show you. Hey, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we still got the we still got the uh, the stuff. But there are some down tempo ones. Shed your love. You can come to me. Broken afternoon and no regrets. Are they are down tempo ones and more 
more sim- like guitar driven. I won't say simple, but you know where the focus is on um, the technical playing of the guitar. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, more stripped down. Yeah, less definitely like a lot less production and uh, and effects for sure. Yeah, so I mean, I do come back to this album quite a bit. Um, I skip a couple of the tracks occasionally, but uh, it's quite a nice album. It's, and uh, it was it was a really sort of it was a nice thing to hear from them to hear the evolution of the band. You know, I I wasn't too fond of this album when I first heard it. I was a little bit ho hum. There was always some tracks I liked. Um, the title track for one, and can't say no, captive mind. Like some of yeah, some of those those are higher tempo ones. I kind of I think I grew an appreciation uh, for it with a bit more time. And yeah, this this most recent time listening to it for in preparation for the podcast, I think. I kind of uh, yeah, I kind of feel like I I, uh, I I appreciated it more than ever for the fact that, you know just because I was kind of reflecting on the fact that you know they had to like reinvent their sound and and you know kind of it forced them to sound more adult and mature and and you know and, and strip down that uh, that sort of really raw like yeah youthful energy um, and and but but it wasn't traded for anything boring yes. Which is nice. It was it was just sort of uh, more contemplative. Also, I think another thing that helps is that um, I think I don't know. I think it was opening up with lately that I just kind of grew to. I think when I first heard the song, I saw it almost as ironic, mm. where uh, where it's like, oh, okay, so he's. Written a song about someone he's over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. you're over it, buddy. But no, like listening to the lyrics really this time, I think I got it. Where like you have the I, I it's like an aha moment where you are you you're you're out of a relationship, and the the the, the really intense heartbreak is done, and you have you have a moment where you're like oh, like. I really haven't been hurt. I mean, like I'm not really hurting from this anymore, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's like this it's, it's this aha moment um, where it's like, man, lately I haven't been thinking about you. I I'm living alone, and I like I don't I don't need this person anymore. Like it's like wow, it's it it. So I I don't see it as ironic anymore. Uh, I see it as actually a really sincere um, epiphany almost in in uh, in lately. So so that helped me kind of appreciate that track even more. And then of course, like I still love those those tracks that I mentioned before, where like I can't can't say no is still like really solid, and keep your eyes ahead is like one of their one of their masterpieces, I think. And this time also, I want to uh, really learning to appreciate Broken Afternoon. It's not that I didn't like it before, but I think I just kind of understood what they were going for a little better in just like the simplicity of simple. But sincere, solid songwriting. Mm-hmm. Just like it's nice and stripped down. Uh, it's just you know a guy on a guitar and some a few little like synthesizers things here and there, and it's just a really nice like vocal melody and relatively simple, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's still a few tracks where it's like, but but for sure. the most part, I feel like Keep Your Eyes Ahead actually holds up pretty well. You know, I f- did. F- I was going to mention lately too because it's been four years since Love and Distance, and um, that it, it wasn't something I thought of at the time. But the last track for Love and Distance looked good, but you looked away. 
is is a breakup track as well, but it's the other end, isn't it? It's it's the the longing, it's the it's the it's you know the the wistfulness, though the wanting to be wanting to be back in the relationship and kind of kind of struggling with that those feelings because you know there's some acknowledgement maybe the relationship wasn't that great, but missing it regardless and and then to open on lately on this one I don't know if it was intentional like I said four year gap but when you're listening to the albums back to back that sort of thing you, you, you notice a little bit more it's interesting it's like it's like now that you've had your time uh, after Love and Distance after an album that is, isn't necessarily an album all about love songs and stuff like that but you know ends on a possible sort of breakup track this one now opens this introspective album kind of opens with you know what? Don't need to dwell on the relationship stuff anymore. I'm okay. I've been, past, you know, I'm moving mm-hmm. past it. So yeah, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. I do want to quickly mention back to this. It is a more a lower key track, deceptively so because there's actually a lot of production that goes into it. And the reason why I want to mention this one is because it's there's I won't say it's new for them, but it's something that I think they kind of mastered here, and it's this very atmospheric. Dark song. Hmm. Not dark as in like dour, but dark as in like there's just kind of a, you know, almost like you're walking in the fog sort of thing, right? You, It's palpable. The, the, the atmosphere is palpable because their next album, 2012's Negotiations, I think plays a lot on those sounds. Quick question. Uh, yeah. These bonus tracks, Untitled 1, Untitled 2, Broken Afternoon, Alternative Version. Do you know what those are from? Nope. I can't... Uh, do you know if they're on Spotify? I didn't. I didn't notice them because I just listened to this on my iPod, so I didn't. Uh, well, that's didn't the thing. Me too, it, right? So I, 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 I uh, Spotify does not have everything. I think they hmm. they either kick off at Young Effectuals or they kick off at Love and Distance. I don't quite remember, but I was because I was browsing them for Deep Cuts and and that EP. Yeah, there's there's uh, oh you know I probably shouldn't have bothered opening Spotify. Ah uh, well whatever. <laughs> uh, well, good luck, computer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this was released September 2012. I have a kind of a mixed relationship with negotiations. Because, first of all, let me tell you, I was stoked when this was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what was the... I think October was the lead-in track. Um, I want to say it was Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone site had it for free download, I believe. And uh, I was stoked for this album. And uh, listening to October, it sounded basically in line with what I was expecting. I found though the the album to say it's say it's not high energy would technically be mis- a mistake. You know, even going through it, there's a lot of good high tempo stuff in there. But it it has that palpable atmosphere the whole way through. It has it's there's a darkness to it to it. There's a a wistfulness to it. Uh, there's there's some remorse and stuff going on in there. There's um, there's sadness in this album. I think this is really the first album where they they really tackled some sadness. And I like it, but I don't find myself coming back to it a lot, which is too bad because songs like Downward Spiral are great. Uh, Downward Spiral is a great song. Uh, Hall of Mirrors. Uh, oh, maybe it was Hall. No. Hall of Mirrors was the was the lead in. That's right. Hall of Mirrors sounds like it could fit uh it could have fit on the last album. Is probably the highlight of the of the album. There's something going on. I don't know exactly what it is, but the second track is October and the second to last track, the penultimate track is December. So I wonder if it's uh 
almost ruminations on, on like autumn. You know? Mm. It's kind of like, you know... It's... Or maybe they had a, an extremely eventful November. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of wonder about autumn. Because, you know, autumn has its own sort of feelings to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's um, yeah, something about... there's The seasons all have kind of uh, certain emotions and uh, connotations uh, attached to them. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know... I, you know, now that I think about it, this is kind of, this album does kind of feel like an autumn album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I am I will say Negotiations is an experimental track. It's a great track. I love that it caps, it caps the album on Negotiations. When you listen to it, you're never sure exactly where it's going to go. It almost doesn't go anywhere, but it keeps tricking you that it's going to go somewhere. And so it almost begs for re-listening to listen to all the things in the song that you missed before. So, I mean, absolute kudos for that stuff. I like the album, but it doesn't call back to me. And I, that's, I was aware of fairly early on after getting it, that I just wasn't revisiting it that much. And then I started to get kind of worried because I mean, I revisited the other albums a lot. Um, well, complex ish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I started to get a little worried. I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel similarly. Uh, and I was trying to put my finger on it because it, it seems like a lot of uh, a lot of the ducks are in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, it's arguably their best produced, arguably their most like musically thematic. Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to think of what it was that wasn't working as well for me because again, like it's not like I was listening to this and going like this is not good music. Yeah. Because it's because it it's not bad music. I just kind of feel like the songwriting's not there. Like the, the the they just don't have the tracks to back it up, um, like the 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 atmosphere, the mood, um, the the production, the cons like there's there's so many things working, but the the songs just aren't there, mm. and that's apparently crucial <laughs> if, if for for re for re listening and for uh, for engagement, uh, you just gotta have the melodies and the and. Yeah, and uh, uh, except uh, I gotta say the exception, which is almost almost a shame that that's the one that they sent out uh, to uh, kick off the album is the mm -hmm. Hall of Mirrors. I think is uh, just as strong as anything uh, anything else. They any of the other stuff they put together just as strong as anything on on um, Love and Distance and um, yeah, because I, I could I could listen to that one over and over again um, and. It holds up, and I do feel like the songwriting's there. So it, it's a shame because you can kind of see a lot of potential in the album. You can kind of see like what they were going for and what it could have been. Uh, that's reflected in Hall of Mirrors, but like, but it's not. But yeah, the, but that's about it. Unfortunately, I um, I couldn't tell you what any of the other songs are like. Maybe if I had more time with the album, I could, I could, I could peg it better, but. Uh, yeah, now, I won't say that it's like bad. I won't say it's a waste of time. Uh, but it, I guess it's not a great launching point because I, I feel like yeah, you got to be a big, you got to be a Helio Sequence fan to like really want this one. I think. Mm. Yeah, that's a shame because you know like up until this point, I would have been if anyone was like yeah, should I listen to the new Helio Sequence album? I'm like for sure. <laughs> um, but with this one, it's like, eh, you know, check it out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you can check it out. Sure, there's no, nothing bad will happen. <laughs> like there's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> I should mention that um, they they seem to have visited uh, KEXP a lot. KEXP, I I watch sometimes because uh, they do these great interview slash 
concerts. Concerts not quite the right word, but uh, you know, um, performances in the stu- in the KEXP studios. I've always been super fascinated with K- KEXP. I would love that job. I'd love to be a part of KEXP. And they they have great sound fidelity in their studio space. Um, like the songs that are played in there sound great. The Neon Indian KEXP performance sounded great. Uh, and this is over freaking YouTube. And Healer Sequence, I think I've visited them at least three times. And then they, in between tracks, they, they, they do a bit of an interview. Um, so you get little interview snippets where they ask a few questions. And, you know, the reason why I mention this is because KEXP did a, um, they, they were for the, the newest album, their self-titled album, very strangely self-titled. It's, uh, they talked about their songwriting process. They did this one a little differently. They, they apparently they did 26, I think it was, songs for this album. And they gave them out to a bunch of friends and family. And they said, pick your 10 favorite. And we'll put them on our new album. And so that's what they did. They did kind of an album by popular vote from people who they trusted. Cool. <laughs> and uh, the end result was 2015's self-titled album, The Helio Sequence. And let me tell you right now. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this album. It's it's not their best, for sure. One of my favorite songs by them, period, is on there. It's good. It's consistent. It's consistently good. It's it's fun. And it has a lot more of that that's, that uh, that energy. It, the energy's come back quite a bit. I'm shocked, actually, that it's been three years. Jeez, that doesn't sound right, but apparently it is. Uh, well, maybe it was uh, late 2015. <laughs> if that makes it any better. <laughs> About mid. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, it's been three years. It's been three years. I can't believe it. It sounds like Redshifting and Deuces, even Phantom Shore. These are really, really good songs. And there's more emphasis on a lot of those uh, melodies, like more melody stuff, less atmosphere, more melody, you know, um, which is something that they're, they're really good at. And uh, and it's danceable. Again, the last album, there there, there wasn't much, uh, not really much dance stuff on there, but this one there was. Yeah, so I mean, like, I, I was pretty happy with it. I was I was pretty happy hearing it since uh, three years. That means they're almost due. <laughs> yeah, due yeah, I guess so. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, I gotta say is that uh, I was, when this one came out, I wasn't stoked. And I think, you know, it goes to show, like, oh, ye of little faith, you know? Right. <laughs> like, it's, it's, uh, it's something about... And it's not the first time this has happened where, like, I just felt like after one one album that I didn't really connect with, just kind of like, oh, I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah, I felt that way with the Dandy Warhols as well. And oh, I, and I, st- I don't know if I've still recovered I, from that. I still haven't either, I don't think. Where uh, I used to love Dandy Warhols. And then, yeah, Earth to Dandy Warhols just kind of, after after that, I was like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't know. Like, maybe there was enough down. Dandy Warhols material on that album alone to, like, last the next 20 years. <laughs> I, I'm not convinced that album ended. Uh, well, no, actually, you literally can put it on repeat. <laughs> yeah, because the so, last track leads into the first, yeah. Although, you know, I've heard that that done better. Uh, that sort of, like, that potential, like, circular thing. It was it was not done. Anyway, sorry, that's another <laughs> that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> but, yeah, so I wasn't, like, when you let me this, I think I may have, like, half-assed listened to it, like, once. And it was just like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but then this time, like, she prepping up for the podcast... Uh, I really gave it a fair shake, and I'm glad I did because uh, it does have a lot more to offer than negotiations. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to badmouth negotiations because not like again, it's not terrible. It's just, it's just, I don't know. Like it, 
there's just something that's well, I, I yeah, I've covered it already, but um, <laughs> but yeah, this one kind of uh, it has a different energy and and also yeah, I feel like the songwriting stronger. Where it's just like there was more focus on melodies and stuff like that, and and yeah, the the darkness is gone. I feel like there's um like the the cover art of the last like these these last three albums really do reflect what the music's like. Yeah. Quite a bit. My, yeah. And, and, you know, the only one that probably does... The ones that probably don't is probably uh, Complex and... Uh, you know, actually, Love and Distance may not may not feel fully encapsulated. But I, but at the same time, Young and Factuals, I feel, does. Mm. Yeah, but these last three, like, you want kind of the mood of what you're looking at, and uh, this is it. Uh, you know, the negotiations looks very dark and, like... It looks like a cloudy night. It looks like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, keep your eyes ahead. You know, it's actually almost literal. Like, there's a bit of a release of, like, ah, freedom. And <laughs> and uh, it, there's it's kind of hopeful. I mean, it's not like it's bright cover art, but there's it's a hope to it. And this one is like a sun... Like a sunset on a beach uh, with, with very vibrant colors. And I do kind of feel like this feels like a summer album. Or is it a sunrise? Sunrise, Kristen. well, uh, could be, but because yeah. uh, you know it's just it's a sun and a horizon. Sure. <laughs> so like sure. you know, however you want to, well, however you want to look at it. But the but the means the meaning is a little bit different though. The 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 whereas the sunset is kind of like chill, sort of like yeah, yeah, at the beach, like you said, right? Well, a sunrise is like a crest. It's beginning. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, as I was getting at is that I I feel like this feels like an evening on the beach kind of album. So it's mm. not it's not like a summer jam. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like steal my sunshine. Sure. It's not like it's like that. Like that is like the perfect summer song. This isn't that kind of like. Well, we're hanging out with friends and we're free and blah, 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 blah. this is more like uh, the the uh, I'm on the beach. I'm looking. I'm looking on the ocean and uh, it's still warm out and I can relax and um and I, you know just like that those kind of that kind of feeling where it's it's not it's not overwhelmingly summer. It's uh, it's like this, almost like a more mature summer. It's, it's not a kid's summer. It's like mm-hmm. an adult's, or maybe yeah, it's like an adult's. Like uh, I just, I just, I'm gonna take it kind of easy, kind of summer. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we we should all be so lucky. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. You know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Yeah. There you go. So. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I haven't listened to this album that much uh, because of uh, just the, the, the fact that it took me apparently years to like really give it a fair shake. So I can't really point, pinpoint any particular tracks on it that really stood out. But I do feel overall uh, the quality of the work um, is pretty high. It's not it's not my favorite either, as you, I think you said that. Mm-hmm. I, I think Love and Distance and Keep Your Eyes Ahead are... Uh, still have like the most like really solid like solid tracks, but there's uh, but this is good, and uh, I'm glad I give it a chance. I'm glad I listened to it. Mm-hmm. Phew, wow. yeah. So, um, like I said, since it's been three years, um, I feel like we should expect another release by Healer Sequence soon. Uh, their longest has been four years. Yeah, and yeah. so it's been three, and no, and they haven't, and there hasn't been like a tour with Modest Mouse in the meantime, or uh, or someone blowing out their vocal cords. Uh-huh. So <laughs> at least I hope not. Uh, yeah, I hope not. Brandon, yeah. stay well. <laughs> yeah, let's do track recommendations. Yeah, sure. Uh, why don't you go first? I will go first, Stephen. Uh, thank you. No problem. Hmm. Okay, so I do have my three. So let's start at the top. Let's go for it. Let it fall apart from Love and Distance is. Uh, uh, it's just kind of magic. <laughs> it's uh, a lot of like cool effects, 
And uh, there's something, there's some sort of interesting introspective emotion behind it that I really feel carries through the song. And uh, and, uh, and the vocal melody, and the, and I love a, I love a good whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's, it's right in there. Um, it's, uh, it's absolutely amazing in my opinion. Uh, it does all the things that, um, that Healing Sequence does right in a single track. And so please, you gotta hear Let It Fall Apart. You know, one of the things I, I like the most about that track is, um, do you notice that while he's, he's singing, and he's almost pitch perfect in that world world part, the guitar is, it's, it's distorted, right? It's, it almost sounds warbly. So mm -hmm. it's, almost, it's almost like, while well, singing, he's kind of carrying the melody too, whereas the guitar is, is floundering a bit. But the juxtaposition of those two sounds so good. It's so noble. Oh yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a delight. I get like, really interesting, um, really interesting uh, contemplative emotions at play there. Keep your eyes ahead. I'm gonna go with, um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, Can't Say No. Because I, I just, I, I just think it's, it's, it's bloody solid, isn't it? I'm more, almost more than any other track of theirs, I think that this has like the best hook. Um, like just, just really good like pop songwriting. Um, it, it's a, it's a pop track with all the right like, uh, right rock ingredients thrown in. Uh, very, very smartly written and uh, and like a really quotable hook. Even if you want to, even if you don't, you can't say no. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's so great. It's uh, it's really. Really a highlight for me. I, I I loved it from the moment I heard it, and it, it stayed a favorite on that album and a favorite from the band for for years. I guess well, 2008. So I guess uh, <laughs> I guess I've consistently liked it for 10 years now. How about that? <laughs> Off negotiations, gonna give you know I'm gonna get some negotiations some love, uh -huh. although in a in a in a predictable way. <laughs> in that I think Hall of Mirrors holds up, uh, holds up really really well. It's right dead in the middle of the album. Um, and it's just, uh, there's some really great, like, emotional notes that he hits in it. Um, like, right in the, right in the heart of the hook of it. Uh, just in, in the chorus, and some really nice vocal stuff. And it's got this really cool darkness to it. And, uh, I think really holds up as well, like, a really great Helios track. Um, so even if you, uh, are listening to the podcast, and you're like, I think I'll skip negotiations. <laughs> I'm not saying you necessarily should skip negotiations, but if you do, at least check out Hall of Mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It was very, very close to me recommending Square Bubbles. Oh, you really? You're not. No. I was. Would you believe? I was convinced you would. Yeah. Strange. Isn't I it? well. I mean, geez, should we just throw it in anyway? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll do a joint one then. Right now, Square Bubbles. I'm not part of your little scene because I don't read your magazines and uh, we don't read your fashion shows. Um, it's it's got a great course and it all it's it kind of it's kind of weird where like it almost feels like bubbles. You know what I mean? Just just the way that the the, the synths are played. Oh, there's some really cool like wow 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 kind yeah. of sounds in there. Yeah, it gets kind of it gets kind of uh, electronic dancey. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very long musical. Very, very, very dancey, actually. You, you played it at your wedding. I did. Yeah. And then. It was like one of the ones that you like, play it. You got to play the song. Play Square Bubbles. Uh, this, one of the strengths is that, uh, that false ending. 
When it just ends? Mm, yeah, yeah. Not and every then, false ending works so well, mm -hmm. I gotta say. So they, they really hit it out of the park. Because it just it just blasts back in on that fantastic chorus. It, it's the chorus, really, that uh, that I think makes makes this song, too. Uh, it's, it's a great song. It's a great song. Alright, uh, one of my all-time... I'm going with, like, I think my top three, and this was really hard. Off of Love and Distance, uh, SOS. I have loved SOS a long time. Um, it's the bridge. I think that that really helps that song. Because um, it's... The pre-chorus? There's a bridge and there's a pre-chorus and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, and the chorus is really good, too. Okay. I'm trying to think of the structure of the song here. So you got your, your verses. And then, uh, you know, where he's explaining something that's going on. And then there's a guitar with a with wah-wah pedal behind it. Sounds absolutely fantastic. And then there's there's the part where he's singing suddenly, like, ah, no, you know. Um, and um, and then there's a speaking part that's overlapping with that. They say that was all she wrote, that was all she wrote. Um, and then the pre-chorus, this is an SOS, can you hear me? But then the chorus kicks in, where he's, he's singing against uh, the, guitar, the guitar and the synth parts that are just, that are, that are almost like crying out. And he's crying out with it, can you hear me, can you hear me? Uh, I love, I love the structure of SOS, I've always loved that song. But let's be honest though, everyone who's listening, just listen to Love and Distance. <laughs> like just, it's great, like, it's you know, like you can, you, of course listen to our track recommendations, but just do yourself a favor, just listen to Love and Distance. <laughs> Okay, so Helio Sequence and Monomena did a two-song release under the moniker of Heliomena, and their contribution was a song called Converter. And I don't even remember how I came across it, but I have loved Converter for ages. Um, it's a fairly typical sort of sort of pop song at the beginning, but then at the, in the second half, it's uh, the vocal dudes are taken up mainly by a guitar. And so it becomes like an instrumental at the end um, that then kind of starts to fade off. And so the backing music starts to fade away, but then the guitar amps up a bit. So you just get the you get the melody on on guitar. It's, it's great. I sent it to you via uh, Yes, I did listen to it. Um, yes, uh, I, I, I like the song as well, actually, quite a bit. Yeah, this converter's great. Um, I don't remember too much. I have a Manamana album on. I have one on vinyl. Um, I I will freely admit, I like them, but I'm not into Manamana. Okay. I listen to I listen to Manamana recreational. Um. Okay. It's too easy. One of the uh, all-time favorites. They must have named themselves Monomena. Oh, I'm sure. They in did. reference to that, they must have. So they're like, probably kicking themselves now by this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it was too late. We already yes, built the fan base. It's too late. <laughs> Off of uh, the self-titled album, there's a song fairly early on called. I guess it's actually halfway through. Called uh, "Leave or Be Yours." Um, it's got such a fantastic, fantastic vocal structure. Um, there's something dancey about his lyrics, like the way he sings his lyrics, but not with the music underneath. The music underneath is, is very sweeping and very moving. You know, a sort of a, almost a bubbly sound, almost, and then a, a very cool guitar riff. But the way he's he's singing his lyrics is almost almost disco. You know, um, 
it's great. It's a highlighted album for me, and it's one of my all-time favorite tracks. And uh, truth be told, there have been occasions where I've listened to it on repeat because it's criminally short in my opinion. That's uh, just over three minutes. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, those are some good tracks, people's... So, folks, next time Doug and I have deliberated, it's, uh, truthfully, it might be a bit before our next episode comes up, between our busy schedules and between the, uh, and the dominating, uh, discography of Incubus. Yeah, so Steve's working two full-time jobs right now, so, uh, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a bit... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, I'm very curious because I know I've heard Incubus songs, but I'm having trouble bringing them to my mind. Oh, I can tell you one right, uh, right now. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, I can even tell you it's probably going to be my, one of my track recommendations. Uh-huh. I wish you were here. Oh. Didn't they have the two radio here. releases that sounded like basically the same? Yeah. Yeah. So the next one's about, it's like, goodbye. Nice to, nice know, to know you. you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that's the one. So we'll bring that up in the next episode for sure. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm very curious. Uh, I think, to be honest, the tipping point for me was the fact that they apparently just released an album like last year like i had no idea i had no idea they were still kicking around uh so folks if you have any opinion on the helio sequence on grand hallway or on incubus feel free to drop us a line and give us your feedback there's a couple ways of getting a hold of us the first is our official site musicazpodcast.com you can search up the episodes by genre leave the comments directly on the page read more Find other artists by the genres that you are interested in. You can also go to our Facebook page, Music A to Z Podcast. Join the conversation. We have uh, topics. We have music videos. We post a lot of stuff. I would love for you to join and chip in your feedback as well as uh, iTunes. Please go to the podcast section. Please rate and review our podcast. It helps plugging in the algorithm so other people who like shows like this get a chance to find us also there's our twitter account at music az podcast at music az podcast it's a great way to uh great way to, to send us a quick little tweet a quick little note and see uh, and see what sort of uh things that we are tweeting about and uh please check out my stuff at dougjcferguson.com or go to youtube type in moving underscore pictures as well as with a k or if, if, if that doesn't show up because like we're still not really in the algorithms too much Type in Beast Wars Wednesday. I'm sure you'll find you'll find us there. And we got movie reviews, video game reviews, and we're uh, doing every episode of the uh, hit cartoon series from the '90s, Beast Wars. Every episode, and we're getting we're getting pretty close to your favorite apps. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I'm 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 pouring myself into it. So I, I really hope uh, I really hope you check it out and enjoy our content. Did you recently upload an old Check in the Gate podcast onto YouTube? I, yes, uh, that's another thing is that the Check in the Gate podcast, which is my movie review podcast. Uh, I'm putting it onto the Moving Pictures uh, channel just to uh, just to be a little extra content to get more people like it, potentially get a bit of more of an audience for that podcast because the podcast is on hiatus right now. But so at the moment, what I'm doing with it is I'm just putting it on on YouTube. Uh, and I just finished the Spider-Man trilogy. You know, it's too bad. I seem to recall we did an episode on uh... oh Split. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never edited it. Damn, sir! I thought we had a good discussion. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I it just, I just got too busy. <laughs> I got no, done. I hear you. Uh, I, and, uh, yeah. So, you, you know, you're probably right is that I, I, I perhaps have done us a, a disservice on splits. Uh, but it, yeah, it's been a long time since I edited a podcast episode. So, but I, the thing is, I, I wanted to just call the podcast quits 
But I think it's just on hiatus because I kind of miss it. Mm. You know, I kind of I kind of miss the Check in the Gate podcast. Um, Great guest hosts. And I'm not even speaking about me. Like, I like the episodes when you bring on guest hosts um, like Daniel Galliano and uh, and Heidi and stuff. Yeah, They're yeah. Great. Um, so, yeah, you can check that out uh, either at checkinthegatepodcast.com uh, or on iTunes. And because uh, one of the reasons I stopped is that I just felt the audience wasn't there. So, hey, if you show me there's an audience... <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll probably feel more encouraged to uh, continue it or yeah or you can wait till it comes out on YouTube that's fine by me as well well then I'm going to close this out by saying Music A to Z podcast is hosted by Stephen and Doug Ferguson and is produced by me Stephen Ferguson you should check out our other works at DougJCFerguson.com and StephenGCFerguson.ca Thank <laughs> you.